by reading from the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to start at verse 26, and uh, then we'll read through to verse 56, because today we're going to meet a remarkable woman that you think you know a lot about, but you might be surprised to find out some things today that you didn't know. In the sixth month, the angel, of the, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child, will be born, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now we've met some pretty remarkable women so far in 
this short series of messages and all of them are people who have overcome societal limitations with wit and whimsical savvy, right? They were smart and their stories are kind of humorous in a way and colorful. These women have uh, been a lot like women that we've known. We've all known women throughout our lives that we could identify with some of the characters we've met. Their stories are believable and real, aren't they? And even though they seem colorful, they represent a kind of, of brokenness and righteousness all at the same time. To them, we're reminded that our Lord Jesus carries in his earthly lineage all of the broken baggage of who we are as he goes to the cross to make us more than who we are. And so today we're going to meet someone who is far more remarkable than perhaps we realize and not in the ways that have traditionally been thought of, I believe. We're going to meet his mother, Mary, on this Mother's Day. Now when you think about Mary in light of the women that we've already met, Perhaps we would look at her in a somewhat less reverent way and in a more practical sense, in a more real-life kind of exploration of her character and her story. You know, in those days, women and girls were not taken very seriously, and we've talked about that in each week of this series of messages celebrating women. In those days, women were viewed as objects for uh, entertainment, for housekeeping and homemaking, and for making babies. In many places in the world, it's still true. And I dare say even in our country, there are some relationships where women are viewed that way. Loving relationships in Mary's day were not the primary object of marriage. And so it shouldn't surprise you that she was betrothed to Joseph, perhaps before she was even fully a full-grown woman and so we've often been told at Christmas time that Mary was a girl and given what I shared with you about Bathsheba recently and also just knowing the culture uh, through learning and exploration it becomes obvious that Mary was quite likely waiting until she was physically mature enough to marry and bear children so imagine how Mary responded when she was told that she was about to have a baby. Certainly she was in the company of women and knew a lot about how things happen in life and when she could expect such things to happen in her own life. But this message must have been shocking on so many levels. And then there's Joseph who was going to be caught up in, in, in a terrible scandal. I mean, imagine that there is a girl in your village who's betrothed to Joseph who has apparently become pregnant and not with Joseph's child. Not only that, but at the earliest opportunity for her to conceive in her life. And, and not only that, but she claims that this child is the Son of God, conceived by union with the Holy Spirit. Talk about a colorful character. She has more in common with these Old Testament women that we've met in her family tree 
than we are sometimes willing to see. And Joseph, he was in all respects a good husband and father, but only after he was convinced by the same Holy Spirit that her child was truly the Son of God. So in the earliest times of the church, Mary was referred to as Theotokos or Theotokos. And this is a word that is still used commonly in Eastern tradition of the Eastern Orthodox Church. And it has taken on more meaning than it originally had when this term was applied to her. It simply is a Greek word that means God-bearer. Theotokos, Theotokos, God-bearer. And in modern traditions, well, I say modern, in ancient traditions that are still upheld in modern times, in some Eastern and Roman Catholic traditions, this has come to mean a lot more than I think that Mary would have wanted it to mean. You can take that up in your private discussion. The main thing I want you to know is, is that there is in every sense a reality that Mary is bearing in herself the child of God and therefore the very nature of her child is God made flesh through Mary. And so our doctrine of Jesus's nature as our perfect redeemer suggests that Mary is the source of his complete humanity and his divinity is the source of his sinless nature. And yet there is in the suggestion that he is born without natural sin because of his father's nature, there is also a suggestion that he struggled against sin in that he experienced temptation, which is a way of saying he was tempted, but he didn't sin. And so the way that we have come to look at Mary in our tradition is that this is truly a remarkable woman worthy of our respect and worthy of our admiration, and yet she is in no way co-redemptrix. She's not, as we see it, someone who is integral to our salvation. She is, we're going to find out, an awesome and amazing woman and someone who will teach us a lot about having relationships with God that produce fruit even in her case, the fruit of her womb, Jesus. Mary was, in this story, a young woman who was about to give birth to her first child. And so it's a very human experience for her. Not only has she experienced the, uh, the conception that is, in a divine way, also a source of scandal in her life, but she is also in every sense, a woman who is having all of the normal processes that go along with bearing a child. She is someone who would have every right to feel sorry for herself, but she didn't. She considered herself blessed. See, for the unbelieving, self-righteous, pious, religion-practicing, but never actually getting in the game snobs in the her world, 
Mary was an object of scorn and laughter. But we're going to find out there was way more to her than meets the eye. But let's think about her as a mother first. Alice Connor writes of Mary's pregnancy in her book, Fierce Women of the Bible and Their Stories of Violence, Mercy, Bravery, Wisdom, Sex, and Salvation. It's a terrific book. I hope you'll read it. Alice says this, It's not so important to the story the writers are telling, but it is so important to those of us who have been pregnant. I remember the early days of my pregnancies, the painful joints, the exhaustion, and the fluttering in my belly, which I thought was the baby, but was only gas. And later, there was the fluttering that took my breath away while I was driving, and I cried and grabbed for Leighton's hand to feel the tiny elbow pressing up against my belly. And when Jackson stretched and, paw and pushed a bony part outward, and I pushed it back, tapping it like a message, and his elbow tapped me back. Mary must have felt all the same things, the discomfort of building a person and the growing awe and connection with that little person. See, Connor is saying maybe, probably, Mary wept with joy and terror at this new thing. Why didn't anybody tell her she probably wondered how she could come to love someone so much and feel so connected forever to that little one within her womb? And you know, I'm a man and I have not experienced that and I don't know what it's like. But in the pregnancies that I've gone through with my beautiful bride, Laura, I've experienced the things that were described here when she grabbed my hand and said, feel this. And I felt my little child moving inside my beautiful bride. And I understood instinctively the incredible love that you feel for a child that you haven't met yet outside of the mother's womb. And so Mary was all of that too. She was a mom, a first-time mom. And she couldn't have the support system that she might have had because of the scandal. No wonder she went to see Elizabeth. That was probably a pretty good idea. It's not uncommon, you know, back in times past when there was an unwed mother in the family, she often went to stay in a different place until the pregnancy was full term and the child was born. It's not uncommon to escape the scandal while you wait for the baby's birth. The thing about Mary is, is that she's, she's still in, in so many ways impressive because she's in, interpreting her experience differently. And it is remarkable to understand that she is more than the God-bearer. She's more than the child-carrying womb. She is a woman. Think about that in light of what we've already talked about over the last few weeks. She is a woman. A woman who was not considered of any particular significance. 
Nobody really paid attention to what women did or said, not the men who were important and self-righteous and full of all the authority over matters. And yet our Old Testament study of women in Jesus' family tree reminds us that these women, when they needed to, stepped up and got the men's attention and called the men to righteousness. And now here comes Mary in the spirit of an Old Testament prophet she experiences not only divine intervention in her life, but extraordinary faith and prophetic wisdom. Let's think about it for a second. When Mary was uh, experiencing the presence of the angel Gabriel, she could have covered her head with her blankets and wished it away like a bad dream or a terrifying experience of a ghost or something like that. She could have done all sorts of things, but she, she was troubled by what she was being told, but apparently not surprised at experiencing an encounter with an angel. In fact, the angel Gabriel, no less. She was not troubled by the appearance of the angel. She was only troubled because she couldn't imagine what she had to offer God this angel was telling her about. I mean, her humility was incredible. She thought, okay, an angel's talking to me about a divine plan that God is intending to execute, and he needs for me to participate in that plan, but why me? And I've thought about that a lot over the years. I've asked myself, why do the people in the Bible who makes such a big difference to the whole world and the whole human story, why does God choose them? How do they get chosen? Is it something about them or is it more about God? I believe it's about God. I believe that God calls to a world full of people who might answer, but only some do. And so when we talk of, say, a pastor like myself, hearing God's call and answering that call, it's a call that may have been directed at me, but more than likely was directed broadcast in the same way that this passage or this message is being broadcast now. There are people who have come across this message that I'm preaching and they've decided to listen. There are others who have already disconnected and they're not listening anymore. And so in the same way, I think that's what happens with the prophets of old, especially. They are hearing the call of God because it's something that they want to hear. And that's what causes them to be the ones God uses. It's their openness, their openness of heart and mind, their ears being open and available to the message of God. They're not special for any other reason than they had just enough faith to believe that when God was talking to them, it was legitimate. Mary believed that this angel was real and that it wasn't a surprise to her to experience the presence of an angel. And the only thing that was troubling for her was why she was worthy of this particular responsibility. And after the angel explained how things would work, Mary, being an intelligent and thinking person, making reasoned decisions in, her, in, in light of her faith, 
In other words, it's faith comes first, the intellect comes second, and the intellect is informed by the faith, but it's still a reasonable decision. So you can listen to Mary's response to Gabriel and see that she was making a reasonable decision. And what did Mary say? Let it be according to your word. I am your servant, Lord. So what is the other qualification that the called have in Bible? They say yes. First, they see the broadcast, hear the broadcast of God's call that others miss. And then when God tells what God wants, they say yes. This is what makes them special. And Mary is remarkable not only in that she has heard and believed the word of God and said yes to the word of God, but that she's a girl in a man's world. She's a prophet in a line of all male prophets up to that point. She is prophesying, you know, when she says in the Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord. And then she begins to explain how the Lord is providing for the salvation of the world through the child she's carrying in her womb. Isn't that amazing? She sees so much more to what's happening than anyone else around her could possibly imagine. That is the very essence of a prophet. Now, what she says in response to Elizabeth's proclamation that she is greeting the bearer of the Lord in her womb is nothing short of real prophetic statement. She's talking about how through this child's birth, everything that seems normal is going to be turned upside down. She's talking about how it is not a king's palace where this child will be born or the lineage of, of a, a prophetic line of, of priests and holy men and women and, and so forth. It, it, it's, she's saying this is exactly what it appears to be, a completely illogical, backward, upside-down explanation for how God plans on serving and saving the world that he loves so much. Mary is the first Christian. She's the first person to believe that the child she bears is the source of God's redemption of the whole world. The Abrahamic covenant fulfilled, she says, through her child. She's the first true believer in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Again, I will quote from Alice Connor's book. She says, I'm not sure why we've lost the image of a prophetic Mary. We are left with a quiet, obedient mother without the firebrand language of the Magnificat. But that song is just as much a part of her as a beatifically uh, oriented birth in a stable. Mary is more complex than we remember, more challenging than we expect. I'll be honest here, says Connor. When we read the Magnificat in church, I'm startled each time by how difficult it is. She speaks the good news that the lowly will be lifted up and the lofty will be brought low and the rich sent away empty, which sometimes doesn't sound like good news to me. It sounds like a threat. If the rich are to be sent away empty, and I am rich, 
relative to most people in the world, then something's going to change. It's easier to put God and people like Mary into calmer, more quietly loving boxes so we don't have to deal with the change they call for. But Mary breaks out of that box and tells us lovingly but firmly, no, darling, this is not how we do things. Isn't that great? Mary is the first New Testament Christian, the first New Testament prophet, and what Mary is telling us is everything's going to be different now. Everything's going to be different. And so ask yourself why everything isn't different for you. Why does life seem more like the world around you and the flesh you live in is more like the flesh of your unbelieving friends and coworkers and neighbors? Why, when Mary says that this is the ultimate game changer for all human history, for all of God's creation, why then is life not different? Instead of molding Mary into the image of our earthly mothers that we honor today, let us see Mary as an amazing, remarkable leader, pioneer of Christian living, who herself gave up the status quo to take upon herself scandal and difficulty that would follow her through all of her days. Because to her, it was worth it to serve the Lord God and to see her baby's mission fulfilled and to see the world saved for all eternity. Now, there's a mom we want to celebrate often. May God add blessing to the hearing of his word. Oh, Lord, please burn upon our hearts your message and transform our nature so that we are truly like Mary, risk-taking, courageous, and spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Amen.